Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hey, y'all. It's Zach, and this is episode 465 of the Lawyers Podcast. Today, we have a sponsored episode on data-driven decision-making, or as I like to say, doing more than just guesstimating. Once again, I've got Joyce Bradford from Cosmolix with me, and she's going to help us understand some of the ways we can use our firm data better. Welcome, Joyce. Well, hi, Zach. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm pumped and ready to, to learn from the things that we've got hidden in our in our firms that's how i kind of think of it because it was always hidden in my mm-hmm. in my law office yeah it is it's there it's just kind of that uh data that no one knows how to get to and when you find it what do you do with it mm-hmm. yeah yeah start us off what do we do with it but i guess i don't know how do we find it how do i get started with any of this i mean like it's yeah, scary no- it is scary. It is scary. So here's how I like to think about this, right? So we've done podcasts together. And Zach, I think you know by now that I put things in buckets. I like to have lists of things. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> it really helps me clarify what I'm doing. I try to be pretty goal-oriented, which makes a lot of sense since we're having a data-driven conversation here, right? Right. So right. <laughs> I tend to put the idea of analytics into two buckets. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, I just want to put big umbrella over all of this. And for those of you out in podcast land, you can't see me talking with my hands, but I really am. I just <laughs> made an umbrella with my hands. Um, <laughs> we'll put that in the, uh, the show notes. That, <laughs> put that in the show notes, please. The <laughs> analytics that you use to drive your firm, really, it's just that data behind your everyday interactions with your clients, with your okay. website, with your emails, with your money. It's just data to say how did one statistic change from one moment to the next moment? And it's just a lot, right? So how do we think about this? And I kind of think of strategic analytics Mm -hmm. versus process analytics. And for me, my strategic analytics are things that are like external, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going to help me understand which cases are going to have a higher likelihood of success? What's going to help me understand how I can have more profitable practice areas based Mm -hmm. on data in firms and the market generally? How can I understand which practice areas are underserved so I can either reach them or charge a premium for services that, again, market-driven things? Right. And I contrast that with process-driven analytics, which are gaps in my own processes or understanding which of my specific clients are my most profitable clients or understanding where my roadblocks are in getting a matter from intake to resolution, right? Mm -hmm. Finding my areas of friction. So when I think about analytics, I kind of think about them in those two big overarching categories or my my two analytics buckets. Okay. So the the first bucket, that strategy bucket is kind of like when I'm doing my SWOT analysis or something like that. And I'm saying, where, where am I going? What am I, where am I going to guide my, my firm? And we're getting that probably a lot of times from QuickBooks, if at all. And then that second bucket is kind of how can I, I being the, you know, resident automator at Lawyerist, I think, how can I automate things? Where are the automation places. And so having an idea of how quickly things are moving, who's doing things, 
and more on a granular scale. I, I like that. And I think that gives us a good place to kind of set and start from here. Okay. Well, I think that you're probably right. And you got to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that automation because it's hard to look at my law firm, my unautomated, my non-automated law firm and say, what the heck am I supposed to do mm-hmm. to increase my total bandwidth? How am I going to automate things? One, how would I do it? Why would I do it? And what pieces am I going to automate? And all of that, you know what, should be an analytics driven decision, right? Yeah. So which analytics do you look at right. to determine what you should automate? Again, there's some things that you should automate and it's going to help you no matter what you're doing, right? But understanding what's going to get your matters from that opening into the next various stages more quickly, those mm-hmm. are the types of things that we should automate if we can. So let's talk about some examples of automation that are going to to help us reduce the friction points and increase our total bandwidth here. Number one is when you open a matter, you need to immediately put a workflow on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to sit and think about what tasks I'm going to need to accomplish. And so what needs to happen with that workflow? One, it needs to be practice area specific. It needs to have my tasks with dates assigned to them. Those tasks need to be assigned to individual users or user groups. And there needs to be a level of accountability or a way that I can make sure that each one of those tasks are done right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we find pretty consistently when we're looking at law firms that are trying to be more efficient is they just don't know how long it takes to go from talking to a prospective client to getting them to resolution. And honestly, they haven't even defined what the various phases are in between. They know that they do intake. They know that they do discovery. They know that they do gathering witness statements and litigation prep. They know that they do some type of mediation where it's necessary, right? They know that they go through a negotiation period, Mm -hmm. but they don't have any of that on paper. So you can automate your steps, but let's back that out a little bit. Before you even do that, you need to figure out what the heck you're doing in your firm, right? Right. And this is the hardest part of the analytics question, isn't it? Yeah. How much time should you spend on this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How much time should you spend on this? But then I think, what do I even start tracking? You yeah. go into your your platform, your, your practice management platform, and you say, well, what do I need to look at in order to figure out how long it takes? Well, it seems to take a couple of phases because a lot of times you go, well, this is what I'd like to look at, but I'd, I'm not keeping track of that information. I'd like to know how long it takes for a case to get from phase one to phase two, but I don't even have phases written out right, right now. Right. And I, I think that this is why most people don't use analytics because like I said, we we know that there is a, a process, there is a workflow to get from intake to resolution, but we just don't take the time to write it out. Mm-hmm. So let's help listeners for a sec here. So if I'm trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing in my firm and trying to figure out what I need to be tracking, let's start at the very beginning, right? I want to track when did this matter open, my open mm-hmm. date. And that sounds right. so basic, right? But it is such a crucial time yeah. for so many folks from understanding when you need to get something filed to understanding how long it takes you to get something to the resolution point to understanding when somebody needs to pay you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information that you're going to glean just from that one date. Beyond that, you need to figure out how long it should take someone to go through intake. When should they actually become a client? Right. Right. When should you have a fee agreement on file and a scope of representation? And then you need to define all the remaining phases. 
beyond all of those pieces and just your process workflow, you need to be tracking where did this client come from? Mm -hmm. Was there a particular marketing activity that got this client to you? Because at the end of the day, I want you to be able to say where my clients came from and which of those clients are most profitable. I want to be able to track my particular marketing activity to closed paid matters so I can see where I need to be investing my my firm's time, right? So those right. are kind of just like my big beginning opening things. But mm-hmm. as I'm actually going through my matter, I also need to be tracking my productivity of my individual performers within my firm. I need okay. to be tracking how quickly someone's replying to my emails if they're a client so I can understand if they're going to continue to pay me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if they're right. going to give me what I need in order to to meet my deadlines. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could go on and list probably 75 other analytics points, but I think we kind of need to narrow that discussion a bit. Well, yeah, it, it, but it seems like if you just enter into this and you say, what do I need to be tracking? It seems like time. And I, I know that seems very basic for, for lawyers or yes, of course, lawyers track time. But we're talking about time from point A to point B for the most part. And that's a relatively simple thing to do. So in order to track that time, we have to have something that can house the date and then house the date in its relationship to a phase, a state of your, of your case. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty basic thing to be able to do for the most part. And so kind of jumping in and, and having that be one that's in that second bucket. I think, of process data. And from that, it seems like we'd be able to glean, all right, where are we broadly going slow, going quickly, not taking enough time? But then we also have how much time, so we've got kind of how long did it take our office? And then it's how much effort did it take our office? How many hours did it take somebody to put into this? And so- Those are two pieces that can give you a lot of information, provided you actually have the places that you can track that in your database and your practice management software. Obviously, Cosmolex does that. Like I, I yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, we wouldn't be here. I, and Cosmolex does does otherwise that. Otherwise, we do wouldn't that. be here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But I, I think the other side though is okay. So I'm starting to track this. How do I get this information? Like running reports, I was trying to run a report in HubSpot today, and I'm apparently terrible at running reports. How do I get that information out? And how do I determine well, what, what are the data points that I want to see against each other? Because I can get you an Excel spreadsheet that can house information, but, but it's still not a great practice management solution because we're not going to be able to get the information out. Yeah. So there are systems, Cosmolex being one of them that's going to allow you to track that data. Now, any good system, a system that is worth its salt, and one of the reasons why I work for the Cosmolex team and the ProfitSolve team largely mm-hmm. is because they are, as a family of brands, so good at tracking this data so you don't have to manually put it in, right? And that's the trick here, folks. All of this data matters. And I think that it's important to know what you need to be tracking so you can look at the right reports. But in Mm -hmm. terms of actually getting it into and out of your system, that piece needs to be as just AI driven, behind the scenes, automatically captured. I don't want you to have to enter more than you ever want to, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at the report set in Cosmolex, I'm looking at things definitely like profit and loss. That's 
guys, come on, that's pretty straightforward, right? I'm also looking at my billable time versus my collected fees, right? Where's my gap there? I'm looking at my AR and my outstanding AR for my 30, 60, 90 reports, even further than that if I need to. I'm Mm -hmm. looking at my productivity reports for myself and for my firm. I'm looking at my tasks. So all of this, I don't have to build reports in Cosmo Explore. It's just not necessary. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, having a system that's just going to overlay workflows on whatever you're doing is going to allow you to put that rubric of success on top of your matter so you Mm -hmm. can track what phase am I in? What stage am I in? How successful am I in bringing this to a close? And I don't have to add 50 tasks to a matter. I have to add one workflow and then it's just there. So Cosmolex is one solution that's going to do that for me. It's going to collect all my data. Mm-hmm. It's going to run the reports without me having to be some techno wizard. And Zach, I've run reports <laughs> in HubSpot too. You have to be a magician to figure it out. I love HubSpot, but you have to be a magician to figure it out. But these are just, I'm going to go in and, and they're already there and they're designed for lawyers. And so it's pretty great. Cosmolex, honestly, is just a lot of fun to demo every single day. And I, I really enjoy it. But I would be remiss if I also didn't tell you about Rocket Matter mm-hmm. and the Kanban boards that are available in Rocket Matter. So one of my favorite things in Rocket Matter is my ability to just at a glance, see one big Kanban, I see a chart, where are all my matters in this practice area? What phase are they in right now? And it's all this analytics in a very visual sense Mm -hmm. that I can just boom, see, and with colors and with cards in the right columns, right? And of course, my my phases are defined by columns on this Kanban chart. I can just, this is where I am. This is what needs to be moved. This is what's been there too long. And there are all sorts of visual cues to get me where I need to go. But I mean, just the whole profit cell family is is built on this idea that it's really hard to be a good business person and a good lawyer at the same time. So you right. be a good lawyer and, and we'll take care of the rest of it for you. Right. I like that because it, it is difficult to even to enter into what like we started this conversation with what am I going to track? You know, and then mm-hmm. it's, well, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to get yeah. that information? And all I really want to do is practice law. Right. You know? Yeah. Honestly, why are we even doing all of this? I mean, yes, we want to practice, right? But at the end of the day, we have to be profitable. And mm-hmm. so when you start talking about business analytics, everyone just immediately starts talking about profit. And yeah, that's part of it. That's definitely part of it. But there's also this idea of client service and there's this idea of security that's Mm -hmm. also just baked into the fabric of how we can use analytics in our law firm, right? So if I'm looking at just my law firm's analytics, forget doing a big market analysis because you could could write an entire thesis on that, right? But if I just look at my... (laughs) And they do. Right. But if I just look at my law firm and I say, okay, what type of clients do I have, right? Mm -hmm. Let me look at my practice areas. Let me look at my types of clients that I have. Who do I have the most successful outcomes for, Mm -hmm. right? And if I see a practice area where I have less successful outcomes, I have the option of just pulling that practice area, right? Or... I can use that data and I can become a more effective practitioner in that area. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's about leveraging technology and assisting your clients and getting you the documentation that's necessary for them to better establish their case, right? Right. Or to get a signature more quickly or to have a more successful negotiation. Maybe it's that piece. 
Or maybe I didn't even realize that my success rate in a particular practice area is as bad as it is. Let me go take some CLE, (laughs) right? Let me educate myself. Right. So there's lots of ways to use the data. I do think that it's important to have a separate conversation or dig into in this conversation uh, with more specificity, the security aspect that Mm -hmm. I think most law firms tend to ignore. And when, when we talk about analytics. Well, so that obviously begs the question, which, you know, you kind of lead me to is, is what about the security with these analytics? Yeah. So when we think about all of the data that we're capturing for our law firm, by the very nature of being lawyers and law practices, we're capturing client data, right? Mm -hmm. We're capturing who they are. We're capturing what they do. We're capturing personal identifying information. We're Mm -hmm. capturing health-related information. We're capturing sensitive information that is, you know, potentially damaging to people's reputation. You have all of this information within your law firm that you are holding securely and you have a responsibility to protect it. So years and years and years ago, the ABA released a comment to the Model Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 1.1. And I wish that they would just change the rule, but with less impact, they released a comment that said Mm -hmm. part of the responsibility that a lawyer has to be competent in a practice area is to understand the technology that you're using when you're practicing law, right? So Mm -hmm. it's necessary. It's just absolutely necessary that we understand the technological risks that we are assuming when we're capturing all this data from our clients. And so when we are running our analytics on our law firm, you as a practitioner need to be careful. Are you keeping all of this information within your practice management system that is designed to be secure, that has multi-factor mm-hmm. authentication, that is encrypted communication end-to-end, that's encrypted in transit, that's encrypted at rest, that has the minimum 256-key encryption, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it you know SOC 2 or, or SOC 1 certified, right? right? You need to understand the security there. And those are big questions. Are you taking that data from this very secure, in most cases, system and putting it somewhere else, right? And like a business analytics system. And maybe it's a great system. Maybe it's amazing. And maybe it's hyper secure. That's totally cool. But you need to be sure that it is. And when you get that information from point A to point B, how are you getting it there? Are you downloading it all into some local drive on your Mm -hmm. firm's server or on your machine? Do you understand the risks of housing that type of data locally and your weak points? And how are you getting that information to this other business analytics system? So that's not to say the business analytics systems are good. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is anytime you have two systems that communicate like that, Mm -hmm. if they are not designed to work together, and it's a manual export-import situation, you increase your window of that a bad actor could come through, right? right so just right. Be, be mindful, be exceptionally mindful of it. And more than anything, folks, I just want to remind you, in a practice management system, almost everyone is going to say, the software is proprietary, but the data is yours. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that whatever you're using to analyze your firm data, because that is also client data, maintains that same level of system, right? right. That's your data. And for the love of God, don't use free business analytics software. Don't use free <laughs> trials. Don't do anything free. <laughs> don't. Just don't. Oh, man. If, if that you, was my uh, soapbox. No, that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. I love getting into that because if you aren't 
paying for the product. You are the product. So yeah, if you're using a, a free app of some sort, it is extremely likely, read jamieattorney at google.com, it is extremely likely that the application is mining your data, and again, read client data, which means that that's no longer confidential. We have a duty of confidentiality. Right. So we have, we have two duties as it's related to this client data. One is of confidentiality, but then the other is actually to maintain it. So we have to keep it as well. We only have to act reasonably. And so thank God, because if we had to act more than reasonably, then, then you know, because even keeping client data in a secure vault underneath your basement somewhere, you could lose that too. That could flood. That could, you could lose the key, you know, all those things. But just to kind of dumb this down a little bit with the encrypted at rest, that means that it's encrypted while it's sitting somewhere on most likely the database, you know, on an AWS server somewhere. So it's, so it's encrypted while it's sitting there. Encrypted in transit, as you had said, is while it's moving from place to place, from your computer to the server and all that. It's like encrypted over the internet. Then we want to make sure that, like you, again, you said you, we have multi-factor authentication because once we've encrypted this thing, now we have to think about access points. Do we have less secure access points? And having multi-factor authentication means that somebody is not going to be able to say that they're you and then get into this thing. And again, at this point, because it's so easy, that's the only thing that's reasonable. If you're not using multi-factor authentication and you get hacked, I would argue that that is unreasonable and you have a major problem. The servers that these companies like Cosmolex keep their information on are encrypted and they are probably much more safe than my office server at the very least. But like you're saying, we need to think about what's our weakest point. I knew a, an attorney who had very, very good protocol in place to make sure that the computer was very safe but backed up the computer on a CD every night. And the CD just lived in the office. So all the client information is sitting there on a CD that could just be taken at any time, not in a locked drawer or anything. So we just think about our, like, what's our point? So yes, we think, is my data secure? Is my client data, more importantly, secure in the cloud? Well, is it when you use another platform? And I think I would argue that keeping it in the same platform what is it? Uh, put all your eggs in one basket and guard that basket with your life. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, sorry. You found a, a soapbox that I <laughs> like as well. <laughs> we, can, we can put them right beside each other on right. Main Street. We'll just stand up. You shout one way, I'll shout the other. And maybe yep. we'll be heard. We'll find yeah. out. So it goes beyond just, you know, not using Pete's law practice management software that's being run out of, you know, your friend's garage. Like it goes beyond that. We want to make sure we're not using free things and we want it to work though, too. We need to get good information out of this because we can, I hate the idea sometimes of telling people that are making a lot of money that they could be making more, but that's a lot of times what data driven decision-making is because yeah, you're making money in your law office. Great. But could you be making more if you focused on this? I don't know. The data should help you know that. But I don't know that. Yeah. So, But that's the thing, right? So kind of no matter, no matter what your goal is, greater profitability, greater client service, mm -hmm. understanding 
actual time waste, you know, where your time sucks. Right. You know, understanding who your best vendors are and who your least successful vendors are, understanding your most successful practice areas. I don't care what your end goal is, but you cannot get that answer without data. Because as mm-hmm. you said at the beginning of this podcast, act, everything else is just guessing. If you're going with your gut, I don't care how good your gut is. That's still just a guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, let's not guess. Joyce, once again, I, I really appreciate you being with us to, to help people understand their practice. You know a lot about practice management, and I, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us. If people want to know more about this, obviously they can go to Cosmolex.com. Yes. And they can get a demo. It's tough to do free trials on those things, right? Yeah, we still do free trials. Okay. Uh, and I encourage you, go get a free trial. Awesome. Go get a free trial. Don't have to have a credit card. Just go have somebody get a else's free credit trial. card, you know. Use anybody's credit card. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> but go do a free trial. Throw some data in there. You know, see how easy it is to to look. How much mm-hmm. time have I how much time have I posted? Who are my clients? How am I going to understand my financial situation this month? How am I going to understand what I'm mm-hmm. going to be looking at two months? Workload, finance load, task load, just mental load. Look at all that stuff. It's there in Cosmolex. It's going to help you. And if you don't find what you're looking for at Cosmolex, go check out the rest of the ProfitSolve family. Mm-hmm. And we're at ProfitSolve.com. And I will tell you, I don't know what happened to the E on Profit Solve, but someone made a grand marketing decision <laughs> to just leave the E out. Uh, so it's Profit Solve without the E dot com. <laughs> but um, you'll see the whole family of brands there. And we'd love for you to explore any of them, all of them. We're really a home for just about anything that you could imagine for your law firm. And if you can't get it with one product, we're going to direct you over potentially to another to see if we're going to be able to provide the services that you need. Well, and they're certainly all fantastic places to get data in and out of. So Joyce, I, I appreciate you being with me. And that's privatesolvenoe.com. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10-minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.